Hey there, welcome to episode 9 of Inside Savage's Mind. Today, we'll be going over the care and husbandry for one of the most badass arachnids on the planet, the Pandanus Imperator, more commonly known as the Emperor Scorpion. Let's get started. GET OVER HERE! Emperor scorpions are one of the easiest to care for arachnids you can get, making them fantastic for beginners just getting into keeping arachnids. I currently have two Emperor Scorpions myself, one named Hanzo, after my favorite Mortal Kombat character, Scorpion, and the other is named Arbiter, after the character from the Halo franchise. Emperor Scorpions are one of the most popular scorpion species available. Due to their ease of care, large size, docile temperament, and low venom potency, you can often find it at reptile expos and many pet stores. Emperor scorpions do not make good pets for handling, as with most arachnids. However, they can be quite entertaining to watch as they go about their day. Emperor scorpions on average grow to about 6 inches in size, with slightly larger specimens reaching as large as 7 to 8 inches, not being very uncommon. This makes them the largest scorpion species in the world, but not the longest. The title of longest scorpion species in the world is held by the flat rock scorpion. The average lifespan for emperor scorpions with proper care and husbandry is 6 to 8 years. Unlike many other scorpion species, emperor scorpions do not have strong venom, also known as not being as hot as other scorpion species. This means their venom is not as dangerous or painful if you happen to be stung. In fact, you are not likely to feel much discomfort or have any problems unless you are allergic and have an anaphylactic reaction to the venom. Generally, emperor scorpions are much more likely to pinch you than they are to sting you. Their pincers are large and powerful, so getting pinched by an emperor scorpion can still be painful, but they are mostly docile and only known to pinch or sting out of self-defense when they feel threatened. Here's a fun fact for you about their venom. A novel peptide called scorpine has been isolated from Emperor Scorpion's venom and is currently under scientific study as a multifunctional antimicrobial peptide with the potential ability to defend against different pathogens, including malaria. When it comes to handling Emperor Scorpions, the danger is more for the safety of the scorpion than the human. Like most arachnids, such as tarantulas, Emperor Scorpions can be fast and bolt very short distances usually faster than you can keep up with, and their exoskeleton is not designed to survive falls from large heights, meaning a fall from just a few feet off the ground results in a rupture, which is almost always fatal. Emperor scorpions spend most of their time underground in their burrows, only coming out at night to hunt. Emperor scorpions are not arboreal, meaning they lack the ability to climb, and therefore did not evolve any kind of defense against falling from greater heights. For this reason, it is best to not handle emperor scorpions unless you take proper precautions, such as handling over a table, or sitting on the ground and handling the scorpion low to reduce the distance the scorpion can fall, in the event that it should bolt. It is, however, still not a good idea to handle scorpions. Being from Africa, emperor scorpions live in areas that are warm and humid, usually preferring to live in small burrows left behind by other animals, such as rodents, and sometimes digging them out by themselves. 
When setting up a emperor scorpion enclosure, it is important to keep these facts in mind. Adult emperor scorpions should be kept in a 10-gallon enclosure at minimum, filled halfway or more with substrate, such as Zoomed Ecoearth, Zoomed Reptosoil, or Zoomed Creature Soil, ABG Mix, or Biodude Terra Arena, which is by far the best substrate for all arachnids and is what I use personally for all of my tarantulas and scorpions, as well as for my isopods. The substrate should be kept so it feels wet, but water does not come out when squeezed. A thin layer of sphagnum moss should be kept on one side of the enclosure, and the moss should be kept damp, but not soggy, in order to aid in maintaining the humidity in the enclosure, while the other half of the enclosure is kept slightly drier. This allows for the scorpion to have a humidity gradient so it can self-regulate its humidity needs at any given time. The dry side should only be kept drier than the damp side. The soil on the dry side should still be moist at deeper layers and only dry on the surface. The dry side should never be allowed to dry out completely. At least once hide such as half of a cork bark tube Partially dug into the substrate at an angle with a burrow pre-started underneath should be provided. This can be easily achieved by digging out a small area of substrate, the size of the hide, and placing the hide slanted in the hole you just dug. Next, using the substrate you dug out for the hide to cover around the outside of it, but do not fill back in the hole. The Emperor Scorpion will use this as its burrow and excavate it further on its own if needed. A large shallow water dish should be present and kept filled at all times. It is important to not use a deep water dish or one the scorpion can have trouble getting out of as scorpions can drown extremely easily. As for scorpions and small juveniles, it is best to keep them in smaller enclosures, such as a 16-ounce deli cup, with plenty of ventilation holes drilled in the lid, as well as all the way around the deli cup. To provide ample cross ventilation, usually two rings of holes, about half an inch to an inch apart, drilled going all the way around the deli cup, in addition to several holes on the lid are plenty of ventilation. You can also use small AMAC or acrylic boxes. I found that 4x4x4 acrylic boxes with snug fitting lids and ventilation holes drilled similarly to how they are drilled in the 16 ounce deli cups work great for scorplings. As tiny scorplings, you do not need to be overly concerned with the scorpling lifting the lid as they do not possess the same strength that an adult does. So if you are concerned about any potential escapes from an acrylic box, a plastic cup with a few coins in it is more than enough weight to prevent the lid from going anywhere at this size. Other than the enclosure size, the slings enclosures should be set up identical to the adults, just on the smaller scale. With the exception of the water dish, and in this case of small slings, something like a small shallow bottle cap would be more suitable for their water dish. Emperor scorpions can be kept at comfortable room temperatures between 69 and 75 degrees Fahrenheit, with no need for additional heating. If you keep your emperor scorpions in a cooler part of your house, or for whatever reason temperatures drop below 69 degrees Fahrenheit, you will need to supply a heat pad on a thermostat for your emperor scorpion. 
It is important to attach the heat pad on the side of the enclosure. This will allow for horizontal, for horizontal temperature gradients being warmer on the side with the heat pad and cooler on the other. Never under any circumstances should you put the heat pad under the enclosure. Emperor scorpions dig down to cool off and escape the heat. So if you put the heat pad under the enclosure and the scorpion gets too hot and attempts to dig down to cool off, it will now be getting hotter the further down it digs rather than cooler, which will result in you cooking your emperor scorpion. Heat lamps are not suitable for emperor scorpions as it is difficult to maintain a temperature gradient using a heat lamp and they are prone to dry out the air considerably. It is important that your enclosure has a tight-fitting lid with some kind of locking mechanism as emperor scorpions are strong and can lift the lid off of an enclosure that is not securely locked down and they can escape through the smallest of spaces. When feeding emperor scorpions, you should base the size of prey and the frequency of feedings on the appearance of the emperor scorpion at all stages of life. Generally, adults should be fed one to three large crickets or dubia roaches every 10 to 15 days. Make sure to remove uneaten prey within 24 hours. If your emperor scorpion recently molted, it is important to wait at least one week after a molt before feeding your emperor scorpion again. As for young, young emperor scorpions, you should never attempt to feed prey that is larger than they are. The general rule of thumb is prey should be no more than three quarters their size. They should be fed one to three small crickets or dubia roaches every five to seven days. And unlike adults, you should only wait three to five days after a molt before feeding. If they do not eat the prey within 12 to 24 hours, it should be removed and feeding should be tried again in a week. If the scorpion is looking plump, it should be fed less either with less prey or by being fed less often until it looks thinner. On the other hand, if the scorpion looks thin, it should be fed more either by being offered more prey per feeding or by being fed more often. This applies to scorpions at all stages of life, scorpions, juveniles, subadults, and adults. Other prey items that can also be used include mealworms, superworms, and red runner roaches. But the size for these feeder insects vary more compared to crickets and dubia roaches, making it difficult to advise a specific size feeder. And for that reason, when using these or other feeder insects, you should always use the no larger than three quarters the scorpion size rule. No matter what feeder insect you are using, it is always important to gut load your feeder insects using a high-quality gut load diet such as Rapashi Superload for at least 24 hours before they are fed to your scorpion. Make sure to remove any uneaten prey or leftovers within 12 to 24 hours, especially live prey such as crickets, as they will try and eat your scorpion given the chance. When scorpions eat, they leave behind it an exoskeleton of their prey called a bolus. If not removed, this and other leftovers can attract mites, mold, and gnats. Another option that can help maintain a clean enclosure is to keep your emperor scorpion in what is known as a bioactive setup. This means having live plants planted in the enclosure and seeding the enclosure with a cleanup crew, consisting of springtails and isopods. Springtails thrive in damp substrate and will eat any mold that may begin to grow, while both the springtails and the isopods will break down the boluses and other waste into food for the plants. It is important to keep in mind that you will need plenty of dark hides for your scorpion when using a bioactive setup 
as the live plants will require lights, which of course the ideal lighting are LED lights as they give off little to no heat, use minimal electricity and provide all the light the plants need. All springtail species that do well in humid environments such as the temperate white springtails or pink springtails are safe for use in any arachnid enclosure, which of course includes emperor scorpions. When it comes to isopods on the other hand, it is important to use a species that is not very protein or calcium dependent, or you will find that your isopods may try and eat your scorpion while it is vulnerable during a molt. The only isopod species that are known to be safe for use in tarantula and scorpion enclosures are the dwarf white and the dwarf purple isopods which both spend most of their time buried in the substrate and cannot harm your scorpion. The key difference between these two isopod species, besides the obvious fact that one is white and the other is purplish in hue, is the dwarf white isopods reproduce through parthenogenesis, which means all the dwarf white isopods are female and they reproduce through making offspring that are effectively clones of themselves, without ever having to mate with a male. Because of this, they can grow in numbers quickly, making them more affordable and a great option for a larger enclosure. Whereas dwarf purples, on the other hand, are not parthenogenic, and so the species consists of both males and females, which must mate reproducing sexually, which means they can take longer to establish a colony and a larger enclosure, making dwarf purples not only more cost-effective but also more efficient when used in a smaller enclosure. That said, while dwarf whites are the most efficient choice for a larger enclosure, and both will rarely be seen, which dwarf species you will use mostly depends on your preference if you prefer white or purple. Both serve the same purpose, and both will not grow their population larger than what the space and resources they have allows. So you do not need to worry about either overtaking the enclosure. Dwarf whites will just establish a larger colony and hit that point far faster than the dwarf purple will. I keep the majority of my reptiles and amphibians, as well as all of my arachnids, in bioactive enclosures, and I highly recommend doing the same, as it is not only more natural, but also looks far better than an enclosure with fake plants, and it also reduces the frequency you have to worry about cleaning your enclosure. A little tip should you choose to go the bioactive route, keep an external culture of springtails and an external colony of isopods in a separate container from your enclosure. This way, you have an external colony and an external culture that is both free from competition and predation that you can take from to seed more enclosures in the future should you get more animals that can utilize a bioactive setup. And there is also a fair bit of profit to be made relatively easily on the side just by splitting off your cultures and, colony and colonies into additional ones and selling them. I do this with all my springtails and isopod species, and I will be doing an episode on bioactive setups and culturing both springtails and isopod colonies, as well as how to care for them, that will go into all of this more in depth in the near future. Emperor scorpions have been known to be kept in a communal setup with other emperor scorpions successfully. However, this is a rare occurrence and is not recommended, 
especially for anyone who isn't an experienced scorpion keeper. Emperor scorpions, like all scorpions and almost all other arachnids, are territorial towards other members of their species, and have been known to cannibalize each other, if not kept well fed. That said, if you keep four or five of them in a considerably larger enclosure, fitting of such numbers such as 20 or 30 gallon enclosures, with plenty of hides, minimum of two per scorpion, and keep them well fed, you may be successful in keeping emperor scorpions communally. It is, however, still ill-advised. Another reason not to keep emperor scorpions communally is because should you have a male and female scorpion, together you will end up with large numbers of baby scorpions, also called scorpilings, that will all need to be separated from the mother once they leave her back, which raising large numbers of baby scorpions is by no means an easy task for a beginner or anyone who isn't prepared for the army of scorpilings in advance. And with that, it is time to bring today's episode to a close. I hope this episode was educational for you guys. And as always, if you have any suggestions or would like to request a specific animal for a future episode, feel free to send me a message on Instagram or my other social medias at Savage Caliber with threes instead of E's. And if you enjoy video games and laughing, stop by my Twitch live streams under the same handle. Till next episode. Stay safe, stay positive, and be great to each other.